You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. You are listening to a Nick Filato right now whose voice is like 12 shades of Mr. Ed. It's incredibly hoarse. I had a great time, Chris, at FanFest meeting a bunch of listeners of the show. They had nothing but great things to say about you, my man. It's loud in the stadium. You talk loud. And then I had a wedding last night. So I apologize for my less than stellar voice at the moment. But Chris, how are you doing? You know, I, I'm doing well. I was going to ask you if we were just going to, you know, you know, Big Blue View After Dark, just a more sultry uh, <laughs> edition of the podcast today. But I'm glad you had a good time at FanFest. Yeah, it was great, man. And we'll go over a little bit of the blue and white scrimmage and just talk about some key notes. I think my main takeaway from it, yeah, we've seen Daniel Jones struggle. It seems to be something that we're we're witnessing in training camp right now. We'll get into that a little bit later. So we'll go over Monday, August 8th's practice. But also just Kayvon Thibodeau, man, he's he's the real deal, dude. This kid is a stud and he's finding his way into the backfield and just really Wink Martindale in general and that defensive philosophy of dictating pressure, dictating the terms, how that can really force offensive protections, young offensive lines that haven't played with each other that much, don't have that kind of continuity could really, really make them struggle and look bad. And it's something that we've kind of seen throughout training camp so far. Yeah, and that really is kind of the the idea behind this defense. You know, we, Martindale said it. I think it at his introductory press conference, pressure breaks pipes, and I think there's two different ways you can look at a defense having this kind of success in training camp. You could either look at it and say, "Oh, the offense is struggling. The offensive line is getting whooped by the pass rush." The passing offense is they don't they aren't on the same page they aren't getting traction or you could you know flip the coin and look at it and say this defense is coming together it's playing well i think in in reality it's probably a little bit of both and i will probably get into i think both sides of the coin yeah i think it's great that thibodeau is already playing like a fifth overall pick I can't say I'm surprised by it. I think we both saw on on his college tape. He is a special kind of player. He is the kind of player that just leaps off of tape. And I really think a lot of the draft community suffered from over-analysis with Thibodeau. And I am perfectly happy to profit off of that. Oh, 100%. I I get a kick out of this, dude. It's because Kayvon Thibodeau, he was heralded as the top dog from way before he declared that he could even come out of the draft. So you have to find something wrong with him. Like right now, it's Will Anderson from Alabama, who, and I haven't done an extensive evaluation on him, but from everything I've seen, he's going to be a, a better prospect than Kayvon Thibodeau. But I laugh when I see people talking about him in the summer and just, you know, just raving about him so i'm like okay in six months what are these people going to be saying about him because they're always going to find some fault seems like 
Of course, that's because there are no perfect prospects. There are always faults to find with these young men. And I think part of just to step, take the step back, you get so used to talking about, okay, he's got a fantastic first step. He's got great technique. He can bend, you know, all of that. Well, what else do you have to talk about for the next six months? And then you start to notice the little things, the little faults, and then they just kind of grow because you just spend time looking at them. So it it's all part of the draft pro- the draft process, and I think a lot of it is remembering your remembering your biases and trying to correct for them. Yeah, you know, just because you mentioned a positive six months ago doesn't mean it is any less positive. It isn't any less important. And just because you noticed a small fault six minutes ago, that doesn't mean it's that much more important as compared to the positive. You just have to keep perspective on these things. And I think that's that kind of holds true for a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. And before we get into Daniel Jones, because we could talk about blue and white practice Daniel Jones and today's practice Daniel Jones, but group it all together. What do you make of Darius Slayton running almost extensively, I think, with the third team during that blue and white scrimmage? And you have players like Colin Johnson who are getting first team snaps. I don't know, man. Like I think the the future for Darius Slayton here with the New York Giants is um it might not be too long. Yeah, that that's kind of where I'm coming down because you you also have that two and a half million dollar cap savings on the other side of the scale for him, and you know, the, we've already seen the Giants are bumping up against depth concerns, and they only had about five million dollars, five or six million dollars of cap space coming into camp, and they've had to sign multiple players already to shore up their depth. You know, we had Marcus McKeith and tear an ACL, Matt Gano, potentially have a career ending neck injury or have a neck injury resurface that is potentially career ending. And those spots need to get filled and you, the team needs money to do it. You know, the, these replacement players, this street free agents, they cost money. And yeah, just having that on the other side of the scale for Slayton, especially if he is struggling with drops, if he is not getting open consistently, that really is not good news for him. That does not speak well for his long-term status with the team. Absolutely not. And it's also just tragic that the Giants lost a young player like McKethan. You know, I hope he gets back healthy soon enough. They signed Will Holden, who was with the Detroit Lions last year. And they also brought in Eric Smith, who used to be with the Giants, I think two seasons ago, if I'm not mistaken, to kind of help replace Magano. But those were two players who could have realistically made the team. And you still have Matt Pear being injured right now. He's not you know, guaranteed to be ready at certain points of this season. You also have, obviously, Nick Gates. I have no idea what to expect from Nick Gates, but I do respect the man. The offensive line, the depth is already kind of suffering. We haven't even played a preseason game yet. We've seen struggles. We've seen Evan Neal struggle in training camp a little bit. For me, with the Evan Neal stuff, and I tweeted about this, and I've talked about this on various platforms, a lot of the struggles that he's having is in these one-on-one situations, man. And 
you're at such a disadvantage in a one-on-one situation. You, you don't have your guard to your left of you. You're just always on an island, and the pass rusher can really just do whatever they want to you. They can hit you inside. They can hit you high side. They can try to bull rush you, convert speed to power. It's just such a bad place for an offensive lineman to be in. I'm not going to overreact to those one-on-one losses. You just kind of take them. You put them in your back pocket. You evaluate them. You see if there's technical things that he's doing wrong and whatnot. But – I don't read too much into it because everything I've seen from Evan Neal in team periods has been pretty darn good. Yeah, one-on-ones, that, those are really opportunities for, like you say, the the pass rusher, the defensive player, to do what they want, for them to work on specific techniques. You know, the things they can't do against a blocking dummy where you really need to be going against an offensive lineman. And it is an opportunity for the offensive lineman to work on his technique, work on his kick slide or, you know, jump set, short set, that sort of thing. And if they are working on that sort of thing, they probably don't have those techniques mastered just yet. So the opportunity is there. In fact, it's really even double the opportunity for a pass rusher to get over on the offensive lineman. This really is one of those situations where we have to keep perspective. And really the proof will be in the preseason when he's out there with his line mates. And then early in the season, I, I don't think we can, I don't think we should react to this much at all. We knew coming in, he's a rookie that, even the most pro ready rookie is going to have ups and downs. They're going to have highs and lows. They're getting used to new techniques. They're getting used to new blocking schemes and really going against some excellent players. So I'm not surprised if Evan Neal is struggling and I'm not terribly concerned by it either. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I don't know one thing though, Chris, that is not necessarily concerning, but it, it's perplexing. It's Ricky Seals Jones, bro, like where the heck is this guy? He's missed what, like six or seven practices at this point. We haven't seen him on the field. And yeah, it's great. It opens up opportunities for Austin Allen and Chris Myrick. And unfortunately, Andre Miller, who I saw on Twitter, I don't know if it's fully confirmed, but I saw that I think he broke his forearm. So that's another, you know, little injury here that is really unfortunate. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that was a signing that seemed a little weird when it happened way back at the beginning of free agency. Obviously, Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, they had a plan for that skill set. 
you know, right now it definitely looks like uh, Bellinger has surpassed Ricky Seals Jones and everybody else on the depth chart. And that's great. But yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to find out where Seals Jones is, what his injury may be. You know, we, we got some clarity from John Feliciano about his injury or his, uh, his issues with the, with the heat and dehydration. I haven't been able to find out anything about Ricky Seals Jones, not even the NHL upper body, lower body. Yeah. Nothing. (laughs) Exactly. And I like the fact that you brought up Feliciano because one, he has a really fun sense of humor. If anybody hasn't seen on Twitter yet, the Giants got into a huge brawl in today's practice. John Feliciano returned to practice a couple days ago from what Chris was just alluding to, and he was one of the key contributors in this fight. And there's a picture of Cam Brown kind of dragging John Feliciano looking like he's in the like, Saving Private Ryan or something. If you haven't seen this, just, tw- just tweet and look up John Feliciano picture. And then John Feliciano also talked about it. And it's actually pretty hilarious that he had that kind of sense of humor. But I kind of want to talk about this fight here, Chris. And it's, you know, training camp fights aren't a big deal. And I don't really think this one's a big deal at all. But it's just a little unique that there was a coach involved with Bobby Johnson reportedly mixing it up a little bit with some of the defensive players. Yeah, I'm sure everybody will be able to find out all about this fight they might even have read about it by the time this podcast dropped but basically things just you know got heated in camp which happens practice suddenly got a little bit more physical than maybe some players were expecting uh Saquon Barkley lowered his shoulder into Aaron Robinson which is yeah good good to see we like to see uh Barkley running physically uh I I do have to say this just because I always have like a, a small like affinity for defenders in those drills, defenders are told not to bring the guys to the ground. Oh, so it's like, you're going to run into me like that. And I'm not really able to protect myself. Like I could definitely see why Aaron Robinson was a little upset by that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But then the, the defense turned around. They got chippy. Uh, Cam Brown got chippy. Uh, Blake Martinez delivered a pretty hard shot to, uh, I believe it was Gary Brightwell. And then it was kind of off to the races and it somehow Bobby Johnson, offensive line coach, which what is it with these offensive line coaches, man? They're they're They just always seem to get mixed up and stuff. Maybe it's the, it's the offensive line mentality there. And, you know, he's in the middle of the scrum. He's, I think, I think he tossed cam Brown off of somebody, something like that. Holy or maybe geez. it was take Crowdery pulled off of somebody. And then, it seemed like maybe hands were getting getting thrown, which again, that's something I don't get when guys have helmets on. That's just seems like a great way to break your hand. Yeah, that's definitely not the smartest thing to do, but it's definitely something that gets us talking on Twitter, gets us talking on podcasts whenever these big training camp fights happen. But like you said, dude, this stuff kind of happens. It happens every single year. I felt like Will Hernandez and Snacks were like the king of getting to fights during training camp. And I think Dexter Lawrence is really starting to become that type of dude as well, because he already got into one with Shane Lemieux this year. And I think he's gotten into a couple in the past to transition away from that, which is, you know, somewhat trivial to something a little bit more important, something with a little bit more substance. And that's Daniel Jones. Now at the blue and white scrimmage, Chris, DJ struggled a little bit. The offense struggled a little bit really on the first drive though. I felt like he bounced back a little bit more on the second drive. You know, he wasn't throwing the ball downfield or stretching the field vertically too much 
but he was connecting in the flat and finding his check downs and getting to his second read and getting the football out of his hands. I felt like he had a better second, third drive than he did that first drive that wasn't as great. And he also threaded the needle on this pass to Wandale Robinson in between tight zones. I felt like that was pretty solid. One of the plays that I saw making its rounds on Twitter was a play, a comeback route, where Kenny Galladay is basically just running a curl comeback at the at the flag in the red zone drills. And whoever the cornerback was played it excellently. And then Daniel Jones just threw it away. But it made it look like Daniel Jones was just wildly inaccurate with the pass. Like, to me, that was a straight throwaway. Did you have a chance to check that play out? Yeah, I looked at it, and I, I couldn't tell whether or not, the, just based on the angle from the Twitter video, I couldn't tell if it was a throwaway or if it was just an inaccurate pass because yeah, I, part of the reason why I think people have these questions and focus so much on Jones's struggles in camp is because he, throughout his career, he would have passes which would just be inexplicably inaccurate. You know, skipping the ball off the ground on a Y stick to the tight end or the one that really stands out in my mind was just a, I think it was a simple out route to Devonta Booker against the Broncos last year. And the ball was about a, a full yard behind him and Booker somehow managed to reel it in and complete the, complete the play. But you know, Jones does have these instances where he can get wild. And one thing I did notice watching that video on Twitter is the difference in where his feet and his shoulders were aligned. Yeah, his feet were aligned like he was get like he was preparing to throw that quick comeback. They were just dead straight at right where Kenny Galladay broke back to. But then his shoulders and his arm slot were about a full 30 degrees off of that to the right, which was where the ball wound up going. So I think that is why there's this, there's at least a debate between whether it was an inaccurate throw or a throw away. I couldn't time it up to see if Jones started the throwing motion before the cornerback was able to break on the ball or if he saw the break start and adjusted his arm slot. I, I couldn't tell that based on the, based on the Twitter video though, since you were there, I would like to ask, how did Galladay look? Because I have to say, uh, I saw some people say, oh, well, Galladay slipped at the top of that route. Yeah. To me, it, it he just kind of looked a little bit, he looked slow <laughs> out there. And I do have to wonder if all of the lower body injuries he has had are kind of catching up with him a little bit. Definitely lower body injuries can catch up to you, but I didn't focus enough on Galladay to really give like an assessment on that. But just thinking of, young Kenny Galladay and the Kenny Galladay that we saw last year and the, you know, the injuries that he suffered with his hips and his back, it's plausible that that could be an issue that's going to plague him here in his late twenties and then into his early thirties for the rest of his career. But there's no way for me to really know that. I, I, I haven't really like, you know, sat down and studied the uh, tape from that scrimmage. So I don't really have a, a true opinion on that, but it, either way, dude, with, with the play with Daniel Jones, like I think that was more of a throwaway. He read the leverage. He knew it was going to get jumped, and he just tossed it away. And then you also have some of these plays from today's practice that were pretty bad. One of them, it was a 
tight end leak play to Colin Johnson. And the purpose of this play is to take advantage of that middle of the field close safety. That's where Xavier McKinney was with the clear out route. And it's just a basically bunch of misdirections on a leak play because you go into the play action wide zone to the leak side, and then you roll out to the opposite side. So that's going to basically the defense is going to hyper focus on the play action element. And then they're going to see that you're rolling out and they're going to work back across the field to get back to their original positions. And no one's going to be paying attention to the tight end that's coming from the backside of the formation leaking out. If that middle of the field safety gets cleared out by the deep crossing route. And that's the purpose of this play. This is a play that Arthur Smith runs all the time. It's a staple of the Shanahan playbook. It's very, very common in the NFL. It's very, very deceptive. We've seen Gronk have success with it. We've seen OJ Howard have success with it. But in this play, Daniel Jones just kind of lost it in there, man. There's like no velocity on the ball. It looks so much worse because Xavier McKinney played it so damn well. Xavier McKinney was so patient. He kept his eyes on Daniel Jones. He saw Daniel Jones stop his rollout and then flip his shoulders and hips back to the other side, knew there was a route coming across the field in the tight end league kind of way. And if Xavier McKinney doesn't read this, this is a touchdown, even though the throw was terrible. But Xavier McKinney, man, did a great job trusting his keys, seeing the field, and then reacting in a really prompt manner to intercept that ball. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about to start the podcast about you know, there being two sides to the coin where you could look at it as, okay, Jones had a terrible play, you know, bad throw, didn't have the velocity on the ball that he needed to, it, the ball wasn't placed well, it was you know, just floated and right there for the picking. But you can also look at it and say, you know, Xavier McKinney made a great play. He did everything he was supposed to. He was patient, disciplined, quick and accurate in his reads, processed everything well. And that's the kind of thing we really do want to see. Yeah, I I think we've been pretty consistent with the offense that we don't want to overreact to any one play in either direction. You know, we had we've had reports that uh Kadarius Tony has had drops we've had we've heard uh Kenny Galladay having drops Daniel Jones struggling you know only completing half of his pra- half of his passes in a given practice i think today there was a there were reports of a badly broken offensive play and Tyrod Taylor getting a fir- getting a first team rep after that you know, Jones was pulled off the field. Now we don't know if that was planned. If you know, maybe they've got packages in mind with Tyrod Taylor, and they just wanted to work on that on one of those particular plays. We don't know, and we shouldn't react to it you know, too much in either way. Personally, what I am looking for, especially as we start to get ready for the preseason, is just, well, a health. You know, guys just not getting hurt and staying healthy, but also just improvement. This team is not a finished product. As they say in pretty much every press conference, they still have a ways to go. You know, they're still going through the process. And right now, I just want to see them stacking days, getting a little bit better every day, seeing improvement from one preseason game to the next, and honestly, into the regular season. That's what we all want to see. It's just some sort of improvement. And you brought up the Tyrod Taylor thing, and I think that's – An interesting thing we could talk about before we get out of here, I'm starting to see fans on Twitter and and people who follow the Giants start to allude to the fact that they should 
give Tyrod Taylor a chance to, to really win this job. I'm all about that. Like Daniel Jones hasn't proved anything. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but if he continues to struggle or if the coaching staff thinks he's struggling as bad as what we're seeing just on Twitter, because we all know Twitter can tends to do things that might not, you know, coincide with reality sometimes, but if Dable and Kafka are looking at this and saying, yo, this kid is just his ball placement is off. He's not picking up on anything. He's a little bit slow with his eyes. He needs to get rid of the football. A lot of these plays that look good would actually be sacks. There's no, nothing that should stop them from actually giving a little bit more reps to Tyrod Taylor. If that is the case, I'm just not hundred certain that is the case, but I do acknowledge the fact that Daniel Jones seems to be struggling here in training camp. That's I think irrefutable at this point. Yeah, I actually agree completely. My I, this new regime, Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, they don't owe Daniel Jones anything. He was drafted by Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer. You know, that this, he's, you know, three coaches removed, a general manager removed from the combination that drafted him. Right now, it's incumbent on Jones to show that he is a franchise quarterback. And I honestly would like to see an open quarterback competition. Let the best man win the job because if Daniel Jones can't beat out Tyrod Taylor, then the giants have their answer for April. He isn't the guy. If you can't do better than Tyrod Taylor, you're not a franchise quarterback. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to Tyrod Taylor, but you know, he, he is who he is at this point. My question, you know, is that going to happen? Probably not. You know, we we know John Mara likes Daniel Jones, and the owner's opinion has to be considered at least a little bit. He's the dude who signs your checks. They, ha I think, they have to at least give Jones the chance to fail. Now, how much, how much rope they give him, how much slack he has before they pull him off the field and make a change that remains to be seen. But I, I think it's something we do kind of have to keep an eye on, you know, at least through preseason and maybe the first quarter of the season. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a future with any of these quarterbacks, and I personally don't think the giants have a future with either of these two guys that are goes really beyond this season, other than Tyrod, cause he's under contract for one more year, but obviously he's not going to be the franchise guy at 33 years old. But that guy is Daniel Jones, if there's a future with one of the two. So you're right. You want to give him the opportunity to fail. Man, he needs to seize the day a little bit. And I don't want to overreact to training camp, and he's learning a new offense. There's a lot of new moving parts. This offense is predicated on being on the same page with your wide receivers. It's going to take a lot of communication and cohesiveness between the wide receivers in order for that to happen. But one thing about Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor hasn't thrown the football more than 200 times in a season, or at least dropped back more than 200 times in a season, or even more than 150 times, Chris. He hasn't thrown the football more than 150 times in a season since 2017. So like, like, I, I don't know if people like, not, like realize that, like he's basically just been a backup other than what he did in Houston last season because of the Brown situation. And then the weird, really weird charger situation with Justin Herbert. So we haven't seen a ton of Tyrod Taylor, in a while. Yeah, that that's very true. He he has had a very weird uh path to where he is and it really does seem like every time he gets a chance to start, he gets hurt and then he gets replaced by 
a guy, a young quarterback who has at least the potential to be a franchise player, or at least a play, a young quarterback that the team wants to ride with. So maybe just based on track record, the Giants should go with Tyrod Taylor, and then whoever replaces him has a pretty good chance of being a franchise guy. <laughs> yeah. So Chris. Before we get out of here, I just want to ask you, because the next time you'll hear from us, hopefully my voice won't be this pathetic, next time you hear from us will be after the Giants preseason game. So if you can give me one thing that you're looking forward to for the preseason game, what would that be? Honestly, just to see the Giants and Patriots play. I'm a little disappointed this is the first preseason game and not the last one because I always look forward to the Giants and Patriots closing out the preseason because even if you didn't get the first string guys playing, these two teams always play each other hard. It doesn't matter who is coaching. Well, on the Giants side, it's always going to be Belichick on the Patriots side, but it doesn't matter who's quarterback. It doesn't matter who's coaching. These two teams play each other hard. They know they know they've got a history together and I, it really does bring out the best in both teams. I think yeah, And it's always an entertaining game. So really that's what I'm looking for that. And just no injuries. No injuries is always the number one thing to look for. But in terms of just the on field play, I want to see Daniel Jones in this offense against another team. Like, and I think that's like just the the main talking point with the New York Giants right now is is a big question mark at quarterback. You have question marks in the, a lot of places along this Giants team, depth, the offensive line, the defensive secondary, but the biggest question mark has to be the quarterback position because if the Giants had a really good quarterback, I think they could really compete, but they don't. At least they don't have a one who can play consistently at a very high level. Can Daniel Jones be that guy? I'm not confident in that. But if we can see just some signs of encouragement, even in something as meaningless as preseason, I think there's some value to that. Yeah, and like we said, it, it's about showing improvement. If Daniel Jones can play, now we don't know how much he's going to play. We know the giant, all the Giants players who are healthy to play will play, but there's only so many snaps to go around. So maybe we get a drive or two, maybe the first quarter which you know would probably be about two drives two decent drives that is i'd like to see the offense establish a good baseline i'd like to see evan neal not struggle have him maybe lay a few good blocks that look like he's 67350 out there you know, see some good runs from saquon barkley with you know, patience and a plan with how he runs and not just trying to out athlete the entire defense. I'm looking forward to seeing how the giants use Kadarius, Tony and Wandale Robinson. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting them to show their hand about how they plan to use it when they're actually game planning, but just seeing maybe like a, just seeing them on the field together, I think will be interesting. So there's a lot to look forward to. And on the defense, I, I just want to see Kayvon Thibodeau out there. That I, I just want to see him out there and rushing the passer against NFL tackles. And, you know, Matt Jones, 
good young quarterback. We, we know the Patriots are going to be well coached. So it's a good test early on. We'll be here to break it down on the Chris and Nick show and at bigblueview.com. So please head on over there and check out all of our written content. For Nick Filato and Chris Flum, we're signing off here. Take care of each other and have a lovely day, everyone. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.